0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IA Cast. All right, I'm back with the usual crew. Of late, we have Michael Babcock. Hello, Marty Sobo. Hey all, and Lauren Flinner. Hello, everyone. All right, so. Um we want to start off today talking about some of our latest content and some of our news that we've done and Michael and Marty you guys have been very busy with unmute so do y'all want to talk about the latest uh episodes and and topics that you guys have been talking about Sure so The basic idea of the show
1: is to help people and get their questions answered. So we go live in the ACB community every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. West. And people come and ask their tech questions, whatever it is, and we do the best that we can to answer their questions. We'll also talk about other topics that come up. People maybe ask a question about a new topic, or if there happens to be a down moment, we'll talk about a topic. We talked about some of the new security issues that came out in this latest edition of Mac and iOS. Uh, We talked about the new HomePod a little bit, and we talked about just the overall iOS and macOS updates that came out previous to this past show so but mostly we're uh, answering people's questions and helping them out that way so Michael you want to talk about the uh, podcast and when it comes out and all that good stuff yeah
2: so I'll give you a quick recap of what's been published lately today we've published a episode talking about our live recording to podcast process so the steps that we take to turn the live recording Marty just told you all about into a podcast this past Tuesday of course was the live recording and then the previous episode which was Sunday was a piece of content that I recorded showing you Google Lookout on the Blind Shell Classic 2. So that's what we've been publishing on on mute. What's been going on over at the IA cast, Michael?
0: So at the IA cast we we uh did we were on kind of a strange schedule because of um the changes with um iOS and, and or the Macs and all those things at home pods so we are recording a week apart from our previous episode but these will come out two um, weeks apart just as normal now so we're back on our usual schedule but um, so we've done that and we've also uh, had a new we've published uh, all those episodes and we're going to have new uh, content coming up pretty soon for the Hands on Safety podcast, which uh, is done by Leslie Dixon. And, uh, we're, you know, we're doing this show. But some exciting news is that we have a new way to listen to all of our content all day, every day. And that's the IACast Network radio station. So it's through Live 365. It's not really radio. It's a podcast station, but they call everything radio stations there. But you can go to iacast.net slash listen uh, in your browser, and you can listen to that all the time. You could also get the Live 365 app, and you can uh, find us there as well. I, I really like it. We have a, a schedule that goes on during the day, and then you know, after about 6 or 7 o'clock at night, it just starts going with whatever it feels like playing. Um, so check that out. Have you guys used that yet? What are you y'all's thoughts on, on the new station? I think it's pretty cool. I mean,
1: it's a great way to be able to put on content and just have it kind of play in the background while you're doing work or whether you're doing stuff, you know, around the office, for me anyway. Um, I like going back and hearing the shows and besides the shows I'm on, it's cool to be able to hear the other shows I'm not on, you know, um, it's a great way to just be able to put it on and just let it go. If you're into that kind of content, it, it's fun. Yeah, definitely.
2: I like it because I'm a radio guy at heart and I like radio and, and automation and being able to get that stuff together has been uh, fun to hear Michael talking about. And the few times I've jumped in there and looked at it, but more importantly, I think, we often produce content, and you know it's it's really not that difficult to produce content, but being able to leverage that content that's been produced and and have it in another medium that people can hear it will just help
0: all around right and you know it's just kind of neat, like like what was said, going back and just listening to old shows like okay did how did I do on that one, or is there content on this network? I haven't heard. Uh, and that's what I've always dreamed of for the iCast network is to have content that I haven't heard. And so that's exciting to me. Uh, so I'm glad we got that off the ground and it will just get better and better. And we're going to have new content and new uh, uh, new ways to engage with that uh, station. And in fact, I think it'd be even neat if we did uh, technology discussion shows like where we just, you know, pop on the radio station, just say, hey, we're going to do a show, an uh, impromptu show. That'd be mm-hmm. kind of fun just to talk to people. That would be so much fun. Yeah. Or we
1: can do something, for example, say the next keynote is going to be for Apple. We can jump on there and we can get uh, live reactions to whatever they're talking about and answer people's questions, stuff like that. That'd mm-hmm. be a really fun event.
0: You know, the only thing I'm thinking about with that that may be an issue is... um you know, we've talked about that in planning and things like that before. But one thing that Apple does do that may be a little iffy is sometimes they like to play live music in their in their uh, feeds, and if it's not copyrighted or if it's copyrighted, that kind of thing that could pose some issues. Yeah, but you but. can
2: always you can always uh, just have our live reactions. Like we, just because, I mean, that may not be as exciting, but you can pull audio out of the mix, and that's the point of this whole thing is. We don't really know what it's going to turn into, but it's there if you're interested in listening. Michael, how do they listen?
0: So, like I said earlier, you could go to iacast.net slash listen. Um, That will get you there. You could go to the Live 365 app and search for iacast network. Um, And eventually, once I get the time, (laughs) uh, it will be in the iAccessibility app that is in beta right now. So. Um that will be the next feature coming in so if you want to become part of the test flight i'll be putting that on social media soon
2: I want to be part of the test flight
0: Well <laughs> who, <laughs> fly Michael fly Who who <laughs> who said y'all had a choice Oh <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to actual tech news because there's been a lot this year guys mm-hmm, I mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's pretty incredible it's I, I was talking to Lauren earlier and i like, it's still February. I mean, January. I think <laughs> yeah, it should be. Don't rush February. February. Why are you trying to rush the year already? Gosh. I, no, I wish it would rush because like last year went so fast. And then this month, there's so many things that have been happening. You know, all this new tech news, my apartment flooded, work, all these things, creating a radio station. It's like, it's man, January. Been, you still yeah. got 11 months to go. Right. What <laughs> else is going to happen? You know? So um it's just January and there's been a lot of tech news specifically now all these different companies are laying off uh workers and you know is this a a um, necessary thing or do you think tech companies are just you know they had poor planning and they just have to let these people go
1: I think it's a mixture of a lot of different things but you know uh when times are good, they hire tons of people, you know, they grow, they expand, then times get tight. And then how do you save money? Then you got to cut back, mm-hmm. which means, you know, either you stop a project or you lessen a project, whatever you have to do. But with that, that means you're cutting down the people that are working on that project. So then there's going to be layoffs. So it's a bummer. Um, but. I guess it's a nature of the beast. If you're taking on another company, for example, a big acquisition that happened recently was Microsoft buying uh, Activision Blizzard, and they're doing cutoffs and reorganizing and doing all kinds of stuff there. So it just all depends. Every company is just a little bit different.
0: So, And I think the Activision Blizzard deal is being still being contested. Um, so I don't know that that's going to be a thing. But they're they're owning Bethesda and ZeniMax and it software. They laid off a lot of those folks, and now Google has just done a bunch of layoffs. And um, uh, I think I think I heard that Meta is as well. So,
3: I think so too. Yeah,
0: it's interesting how.
2: And I know you had kind of mentioned it, so I don't know much about it. I'd love to hear if you can explain what it is or possibly was, you know, killed by Google as a thing. But the hardest hit group of people at Google for layoffs was on the Fuchsia OS. Uh, so so what was Fuchsia, Michael? And do you see that being impactful in the future?
0: Fuchsia was supposed to be the... Well, still is. It hasn't been killed. I can't say. Oh, I don't oh, think, oh, No, No, I still say supposed to be. And yeah. the reason why I say that is... It is supposed to be the Android replacement.
1: Ah, so um, that's going to be the new
0: operating system. That's that's gonna... why I say supposed to be, hmm. because yes, they're using it in a few project products. It's kind of like Tizen is used on Samsung TVs and things like that, but they still use Android for everything else. I I kind of see that as the same as Fuchsia. Uh, it's supposed to replace Android, but there's not been any real traction to make that happen. And now a lot of a big portion of their team was cut. I yep. I I think it was 16% but I might be wrong on that number. Well, here's the thing.
1: It's going to be just like everything else Google does. They're going to build it out and then they're just going to kill it and go on to the next thing. Well, it seems to be their you know thing that they do. They love to build stuff and then just abandon it and then bail out on it.
0: Well, they're trying to kill that too because they just killed a, uh, they just Removed. I'm going to say removed and laid off a lot of their research and development teams. So I I think they're trying to remove that R&D element that they create new projects and kill them.
2: Yeah, Yeah.
1: And so here's a perfect example of a lot of layoffs. If you've got, you know, a thing that you want to build or that you're building and you put it out there to really get it going. So you hire a whole team around whatever that particular project is, and then you decide, eh, it's not doing what we want, or it's not looking how we want, or maybe there's other things we have to concentrate on, so they stop working on that project, and they kill it, and then if they don't have a place for the team that they hired for that particular project, then, well, they get let go. So, you know, they built a lot of things and end up just canning them, so it's kind of their way of, I don't know what, but
0: it's kind of interesting. I still wonder what's happened these days to if you hire an employee that's a developer, they don't have to work on just one thing. You know, what happened to recycling developers into other projects? You know, I feel like yeah. that's not done much. Well,
1: right. But you got to have a place on another team for a developer to go to. If you don't have another open spot somewhere, then you end up having to get rid of people.
0: Well, that is true. But let's look at OK, let's look at Android. Right. Let's look at Android or even iOS. Right. Mm-hmm. We're, we've heard reports, and this is kind of another news topic that uh, is interesting, that Apple is moving a lot of their iOS and Mac people off of these projects to work on VR and AR. Now, I don't think that's such a good idea, but that's the rumors. But yeah. at least
2: they're moving them instead of yeah. saying, you know, we're done with this project. Let's mm-hmm. let us let you go now.
1: And I see where you're coming at from that, um, for sure. And from what I understand... Um, they're trying to do things a little bit differently where they're pushing out more updates throughout the year for stability and bug fixes opposed to always working on new features. So mm-hmm. a lot of the time they're going to be having a team that's going to be going through doing bug fixes and you know making things more reliable, stuff like that. And then they'll have also on the opposite they'll have new features and things are adding and whatever else. So if that's the case and they're really going to do that, I'm for that because sometimes it does really take them a long time to get through getting bugs fixed and working things out. And even when they do, they do fix some bugs, but then they have other bugs that pop up. And then there's things that just seem like they never really ever get fixed, no matter how
0: much you ask. So, and we have um, Taylor Arndt in the the comments and she made the suggestion that, you know, maybe make the employees contractors. So it would be, you know, they work on specific projects and then they're gone after that. I think that a lot of times that does happen. But Mm -hmm. I think so many times these companies are used to hiring just like standard companies would. Like, you know, your regular W-2 employees like that just work there forever. But I think you're going to like, you know, that you're gonna start seeing changes in developer um, hiring to be more contractual.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, coming from a business uh, perspective, when you do that, I guess the business is saving money because if you're hiring someone as a contractor, then you're not paying for that person to have all of those benefits that a regular full-time employee Mm -hmm. would have, you know, PTO, which is paid time off, medical benefits, vacation time, all these other things. So, you know, if you're a contractor, you would have more control over what you do, when you do it, and how you do it. But at the same time, you lose out on a lot of those benefits that you would get. And you probably wouldn't have any kind of long-term employment once the particular project you're working on ends. You would be moving on to the next thing, unless they rehire or re-up your contract for continuing on that project that you're working on or maybe they bring you in for a different project. But uh, a lot of people these days, they wanna try and get as much as they can out of a company when they work there. So they really want that PTO and definitely they want the benefits, the medical benefits, because these days it's so expensive, it's hard to pay for it on your own. It's almost impossible to pay for it on your own actually.
0: So some of that stuff's pretty important to a lot of people. Right. And Taylor also pointed out, you know, there's no payroll tax and that, um, you know, the world's changing. Even accessibility, you know, is going towards contractor roles. So um, I want to go ahead and push us forward into um, another topic that I thought was pretty interesting is there's a lot of new buzz on uh, about Mastodon again. Um, You know, Twitter keeps changing. I don't know if we've talked about third-party apps even being discontinued on here, um, but those have been disabled from Twitter. And can y'all believe that they actually went back and said it's always been that we don't allow third-party apps? That's I've ridiculous. Never heard that. That's I've crazy. never heard that either.
1: There's been yeah. so many good third-party apps for Twitter, companies that have been there since day one and mm-hmm. had huge followings and uh, have made great apps and have been supported. So, for someone to say they never supported third-party apps is a little bit ridiculous.
0: Yeah, we in in the in comics and book industries, they call that a retcon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, it's wrong. They've always supported it. In fact, Twitterific had their client out before Twitters. Did y'all know that?
3: I did not know that. That's really interesting.
2: Yep. That was my first introduction to using Twitter on a mobile device. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or do you remember way back when, Michael, you had to text your tweets? No, I never did that. Oh my! I did that when I va- way back when I had my old old Twitter account. Yep, text in tweets, wow. and then you would pick people who you wanted to uh, get text alerts of, and then you could reply to those texts to send a reply I didn't to know them. That. Like, oh my they, the goodness! Twitter Twitter started on a text messaging service, uh, and then apps came along that made it a lot better of a a lot ple- more pleasant of an experience. And I think apps are really what built out Twitter. So it's interesting yes.
0: that, that they say that. And, you know, they uh, Twitterific is how they came up with tweet. So, um, you know, now I think a lot of people are really taking to Mastodon a lot. Almost all the tech people I follow are now on Mastodon. And what I like about it is, is that you can have those natural conversations with, you know, people that are in the tech industry on Mastodon. Um, and this is public knowledge, but Phil Schiller from Apple has been spotted on Mastodon. Yeah. Um, it, and and, it, you know, I think Mastodon and is that.
2: good. And, and the fact that everyone's going to Mastodon, what I'm concerned about is, is it going to make tech people uh, just talk to tech people? Whereas with Twitter, you could go in there and talk to someone about fashion or talk to someone about food blogging or, or stuff like that if you're interested. But Mastodon to me seems like it's just a lot of tech people.
0: It's I not. Think, it's really not. Like, there's... I mean, there are right now there is mainly very geeky people and very, you know, very fringe kind of on the edge people that just don't want to be on Twitter and some really people just trash talking Twitter. But I've seen people talk about all kinds of things, and I've seen that most of the blind community is there and. Uh, I think what's going to happen is that there's going to be a splintering of all these communities going to different places. And that was one of the nice things about Twitter was it was the town square. Everybody could talk to everybody. But, you know, the interesting thing is is that, you know, Meta has more people on it than Twitter. And, you know, there's Instagram and there's TikTok and all these places. Twitter had about 300 million users. Now, I know that sounds like a lot. But in the grand scheme of, you know, um, what is it, 8 billion people now? That's not mm-hmm. that many. Yeah. not that many. I mean, Mastodon yep. ha- is getting up to 10 million, which is a lot. But um, it's just going to be where, where do people want to go? And um, I'm also seeing more brands on, on Mastodon as well. That's interesting. Well, also, Mastodon is
1: still in the early days, I feel like you're gonna get the techie people there first because they're gonna be the ones that aren't scared to dive into a new thing and mess around, try it out, and as Mastodon is growing and trying to figure out exactly what it wants to do and how it wants to end up, the techie people are gonna be the ones that are there playing with it, you know, messing around with it. Mm-hmm. Once it kind of stables out, and they figure out what exactly they're going to do and how they're going to do it, and more people come over from other places, and Twitter—I don't know what Twitter is going to happen to Twitter, but—and it's not looking good. But uh, I think that once you know the people start kind of coming over and messing around on Macedon and checking it out, I think it'll grow over time. I think it's just the early days, and in the early days, you always get the tech people first, really, mm-hmm. it seems like.
0: And, you know, to you that... Know oh, go ahead, Lauren. I
3: was just going to say, um, when, you know, Twitter first started, it was, oh, this is more natural than, you know, Facebook, or, oh, this is this is the newest thing, whatever. And it just kind of started, you know, smaller, like you guys were talking about, and and finally grew. And so now we're at this point where Mastodon is the it's natural and it's community and it's, you know, just a small little kind of thing starting up. And so it's going to be cool to see where it goes eventually.
1: Well, that's the thing I like about it so much is that because it's early days, you know, it's not out of control right now. It's still real clean. Mm-hmm. People are talking about, you know, a lot of tech stuff because there is a lot of tech people on there, but there are other stuff on there as well. If, so far it's really clean. It's simple, simple, but gets the point across with most of the same functionality as everything else. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I I actually like it, so. And, you know, musicians can even share their audio on there because, like, I mean, if you don't want people to copy it, that's going to be a problem. But if you want to give a sample of, like, your new track, you can do that on Mastodon. You can share audio clips. Yep. Yeah. I really
1: like the fact that there's a lot of other developers that are implementing being able to post to Mastodon mm-hmm. through their apps which is pretty cool um, I Buffer think just that- added that yeah, so there, there's a lot of apps that are adding that capability. So I think that's pretty cool if you're sitting at your desk and you're doing work and something comes up and you want to shoot something out really quick. Uh, the great thing about that is you can have an app where you can post you know, right away without having to go log in and then mm-hmm. get sucked into scrolling for an hour or two or whatever it is. You can still post without having to go in and get distracted and sucked in. I think that's actually a really good uh idea to be able to post without getting sucked in for a lot of people get you Mm -hmm. know once they get in there they start reading stuff and you just kind of go on for the
0: next hour so but the one the the biggest you know we could talk about mastodon for a whole episode and eventually i i think what one of the things that we need to do pretty soon is have an episode just talking about what is available for social media out there um We've done that a few years ago on the IACast, but I think it's a good time to do that again. But one of the things that I wanted to bring up is uh, TapBots, the creators of TweetBot, has has come out with their client called Ivory. And Ivory is kind of the, it it is the most Twitter-like clients for Mastodon and with the most customization. Um, I've been using it for a few days, comparing it to uh, another client called IceCubes, which I really like that works on Mac. And so we're starting to see a massive amount of these clients for Mastodon. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing is, uh, you know, Mona from the makers of Spring, the Spring app for Twitter. Um, We're starting to see all of these clients come out and that are mainstream, you know, they mimic what you had on Twitter. And I think that's what kind of what's bringing people over because there was a Mastodon app. There's also the Toot app and all these others that are great and all. But I think when now that we're starting to see all these mainstream Twitter clients that are becoming mastodon clients, because they're basically the Twitter client just wrapped with mast over mastodon instead. um, It's working really well for the mainstream audience. And that's why I think we're starting to see more and more people come over plus the change to Twitter's third party app policy. Any other thoughts before uh, on that before
2: we move on? no except for mastodon is just as distracting as any other freaking social network just saying i just jumped over here to you know see what type of notifications i have and unless michael's phones are in do not disturb he probably got notified that i've sent like five booths of different people yeah it's addicting anyways
3: that's it all. is
1: Well, there's also way too many new apps that come out, which makes you want to stop and play with all the apps, see Mm -hmm. what the differences are, all the different functionalities and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, you could really get down a
0: rabbit hole these days with all the new toys out, you know? I will tell you, with Ivory, it does announce messages with Siri.
2: Ooh. Mm -hmm.
0: Ooh. That could be fun. How (laughs) how is the voiceover (laughs) accessibility of Ivory? It has some issues. It's not my favorite with voiceover. It works. You can do everything with it. Uh it plays a bunch of different sounds. It has its own custom notification sound. Um, it, it does a lot of different things and you could customize the UI to do pretty much everything. Like they even have a little drawer so you could hide the the controls on each uh post, like boost and and like or you know, all those things. You can turn those off, so you have to bring up a drawer to do those things. Okay. Which other clients okay. don't have. Uh Ivory also has a widget as well. So Oh, how much cool. is Ivory? Uh, they have subscriptions. Their most expensive subscription is a lot of money. It's twenty four a year. Um, but I pay that because I do want to support those guys to make a good app. Twenty four a year? Is that what yeah. you said? Yes. That's
2: not. That's not horribly not expensive. terrible. I paid ten dollars for Spring. Granted, that is a lifetime subscription, but mm-hmm.
1: which means it, it's. It, I guess it died. So now the life ended. <laughs> yeah yeah.
0: (laughs) um twitter murdered it (laughs) yes and there is a um there's a cheaper subscription in uh ivory i think that the 24 is kind of like a extra you know to support the app kind of I, i don't remember the cheaper price but there is one
1: See, this is an interesting scenario because all these apps are coming out and you want to try and play with all of them. Mm -hmm. And yes, you can use them for free in some way or another, but you only get a few of the features, not all of the features. And so, I mean, you could really spend a lot of money, you know, playing with all these different apps, trying to figure out which one is going to land and, you know, work well with the thing that you're looking for in an app, so Ivory gives you that, a free trial, so that's
0: kind of nice too.
1: Yeah, that's good. We don't know what all the rest they're going to do, but that's good. At least they're giving you a free trial. And on Ivory, with their free trial, is it unlimited to all of their features for the free trial, or yes, are you? I believe so, so. That's good. That's a good thing. Then
0: this is the time in our episode where we want to talk about an an uh, you know something that uh, we promote. Um, kind of like our little ad spot, but, uh, for this time, I want to bring up, uh, Michael and Marty to talk about, uh, unmute, um, what it's about. We kind of did a little bit of that at the beginning of the episode, but let's go ahead and do that again and talk about what each podcast and each of the call, like what the call and the podcasts are about and what time you can, you know, those are recorded and released and all those good things. So you want to take it away? Sure. So Unmute
1: is live on the ACB community, and we are Tuesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Western. Once we go off the air, it gets edited down and put out as a podcast, which you can find in the Unmute Presents feed. And along with that, Michael, you want to tell them what we have to offer for the other feed, the other shows within our feed. Certainly. So
2: we're publishing three times a week, the Tuesday call that Marty and Michael mentioned. And then on Thursdays, we post a slightly longer form piece of content. And those come out typically around 3am when Michael remembers to pre-record them and schedule them. Sundays, we post a short form. I, I, my goal is to be under five minutes of let me or Marty or Damasi or anyone who wants, wants to teach you something what is something I can teach you right now to make your technology experience to be slightly better? So uh, you may get blind shell content over there. You may get Android content, iPhone content, Mac OS and Windows, or, or I don't know, just some other generic piece of technology uh, teaching. So you can learn something new about that. And, uh, that's the recap of what we're doing with the podcast. It's been fun and we love live engagement. If you'd like to join us on Tuesdays again at 10 a.m. Pacific time, that's 1 p.m. Eastern head on over to ACB community. That'll redirect you to the place where you can get more information about what the ACB community is and how you
1: can participate. And one thing that we have not mentioned yet, which will be the last thing that we mention, is there is one other way you can catch unmute content, along with all of the other content that you can find on IACast Network as well. And Michael, do you want to talk about what
0: that would be? So we talked about the radio station earlier, but we also have our New podcast feed, if you go to your podcast app of choice and search for the IACast Network, you can get all of our content all wrapped up in one feed. So that is everything on the IACast uh, podcast, the Unmute Presents content, and also Hands on Safety and any other, uh, our unboxings, which we're going to have a new one of coming up pretty soon, uh, February 3rd and um you know any other content that we provide so be looking for that and it's going to be pretty exciting so um that feed is available for you to subscribe to so check it out all right so on to our topic for the day um and that's about artificial intelligence and you know we've brought it up before we've talked about chat gpt but we wanted to have a good talk about this so i'm curious uh how are you guys using AI currently? Um, One thing I want to mention is I'm starting to do YouTube video editing. And one of the neatest things was in iMovie, there is an auto volume button and it um, like, if you have background music and speech, it will automatically um, change the volume levels to be the right amount for the background music and the speech. And it's really cool. And like, they they use some cool um intelligence to make that happen. But how are you guys using AI?
2: So I'm using ChatGPT uh and for those who don't know what ChatGPT is, I asked Chat GP, I asked ChatGPT to explain yourself as uh if you were talking to a 5-year-old. And it said ChatGPT is a computer program that can talk and understand what people say it's kind of like a robot that can have a conversation with you and that's a good explanation of what gpt is aside from the fact it doesn't talk though i suppose you could use the gpt api to make it actually talk to you hmm project for Michael later. Anyways, uh, I am using that. <laughs> I know I am using chat GPT to generate show notes and other descriptions for content. Um, but my AI starts with a tool called Alphonic and this audio episode will go through Alphonic. And typically what happens is I get an automated gen- an automatically generated transcript from a tool called Whisper AI. And this allows me to have text so I can feed portions of that text to chat GPT and get a summary of it or a rewritten description of it. Now, I ju- and that was announced by Alphonic in December of last year, uh 2022, for those counting. Anyways, I was on Alphonic today, though, and they released another feature yesterday that I just learned about that is going to save me, I think, a lot of time and energy. And that is a automat- an a AI-generated EQ function. So it's going to take your S sounds and clean them up a little bit for you in your audio if you want it to, and the samples that they demonstrated in their blog are like, that's night and day. And it sounds like totally different equipment. So it's interesting how that's going to be. And yes, I will run this episode through that just to see how it turns out.
1: And by the way, Michael, you don't need another distraction. And moving on, I'm going to go and bring up actually something controversial. And Lauren's here today. So this is good because you can chime in on this. I'm sure you'll have a lot of perspective on this. But So again, with chat. Uh, GPT, uh, there is a lot of controversy around education and students going in and coming up with uh, all these crazy papers. you got to write a paper. They throw it into chat, GPT, and boom, three seconds later, they have the whole paper all done. They submit it, you know, or there's a all kinds of different things. So schools are kind of upset about this because, well, you know, this is not how they want the students to learn, it kind of does it for them, the students aren't really doing the work and on and on. So Lauren, I'm sure that you've heard a lot about controversy, education, you're in that realm. So Mm -hmm. I would love to hear your perspective on this.
3: Yeah, it was actually kind of funny, because um, he's like, how are you guys using AI? And I was gonna go, Oh, you know, to write my essays oh wait we're not supposed to do that never mind i don't do that at all really seriously though um anyways yes um chat gpt is very controversial in the education community um mainly because you know students what they try to do is put it through chat gpt or other um ai uh systems and try to v- basically manipulate the paper so that it sounds like it's in their own words but it's not their own ideas and so that can be an issue um also the way that chat gpt and others they do citations is a whole nother deal because it looks legit you know you, you tell it to write a paper and you have it do citations and it looks legit but it doesn't take you anywhere Um, So there's just a lot of um, different controversies surrounding that, Um, but then also in copyright compliance. So if you think about like when people are using this to generate courses, you know, maybe professors want to use it to create content or maybe um, universities want to use ChatGPT to fill out their websites or just things like that, you know. Um, who whose right is this and how do how do we think about that in terms of copyright? Um, so there's just a lot of controversy surrounding education with so this. So what
1: do you, so Lauren, what do you think, um, since this is such a new technology and it just kind of came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and so right now it's kind of the wild, wild west, there isn't any restrictions really around it. There's no, nothing. So, What do you feel the educational institutions should do about this whole way people are trying to get content out of all these AI systems and using it to do all of their work for them? Uh, I mean, how do you think the schools or the education institutions, colleges, whatever it may be, Do you think they should do something? Do you think they shouldn't do something? If they do, what do you think they should do to try and combat this? I mean, it's kind of a, you know, everyone's got a different opinion on it.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, So it's interesting. I found out um, through uh, my work, actually, that they are trying to come up with AIs to detect AIs, essentially. So they're trying to detect whether a student's paper was written via or with an AI, hmm. using an and AI.
2: He,
1: uh, it'd be interesting, <laughs> and, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how successful they are with that. Um, it'll be a, a conversation that it will just keep going on. We'll have to check back and kind of see how things evolve as we move forward with it. But yeah, yeah. it's real interesting.
3: Yeah, and I, I think it's just going to be people, I mean, professors, they start to know students writing, you know, by the first couple times, the first couple essays, like, professors, they kind of get to know. So I think just having strict guidelines and having systems in place to make sure that students are writing their own papers. Um, also, you know, there are things like lockdown browsers and things like that. And I don't know to what extent that would help, but, um, there are things out there that we can definitely use and it'll be interesting to see how, um, what ends up taking place here.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Marty, are you using, uh, chat GPT at all? or any other AI? Yeah, I've messed around with ChatGPT.
1: Um, I haven't done anything too crazy with it. I've kind of uh, thrown some suggestions at it to see what it would do. Uh, I haven't really used it for any kind of work thing. I've just been playing around with it to see what kind of information it'll give me back, giving it certain parameters and keywords to see you know, how close it gets to accuracy, you know, on what I ask it to do. And that's about as far yeah. as I have gotten with it. I haven't gotten real crazy, but somebody, Michael Babcock, <clears throat> tries to make the thing write apps for it and give it code for apps, and he <laughs> just gets down a rabbit hole that might make your head spin. And like I said earlier, he doesn't need another distraction.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I do the same thing. I will, you know, I've, I put in, you know, I work on a big app um, in the community, and I you know, we'll put in, you know, source code to see if it will, you know, come up with a solution to a problem or um, debug a bug that I have in my code. Uh, and so it's really good for things like that. But I would also say it's good for coming up with inspiration. That is really where chat GPT and AI is really good. And, you know, uh Michael Babcock, have you used, um, have you tried GitHub Copilot yet?
2: I have not tried GitHub Copilot, but I've heard some of Taylor's content that she did, and it's, and it's really intriguing how it works. Um, and I just am not as much of a programmer as I'd like to make myself believe that I am.
0: Well, you know, you could use it for Apple Script. You could use it for automations. Ooh,
2: yeah, yeah, true that. True that. Have Didn't you thought about, about Apple Script? Yeah, yeah. 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 Or it could be a way to learn what's that programming language that everyone's using. JavaScript. Is that what's yeah. you know, Java? What 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 does drafts use Michael to build actions? Cause that
0: would be a good way to learn it. You know, I don't remember what drafts uses. I thought it was JavaScript. Um, I think that's what it's using, but I don't remember, but that would be good to learn uh, to see what they they're using. Um, because copilot uses GPT as well. Um, and they use, they have a different model for it, for Copilot. Um, and I think that these tools are going to be where we're going in using computers. And, you know, we were on a podcast last night. And, and Lauren, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. But one of the things that a lot of people in, in technology and podcasting are saying, it's not going to be about writing the good papers anymore in education. It's going to be about prompt writing. How well can you... Put in your ideas to the AI or to the idea into the, the generator for it to come up with the content that you want and then fact-checking that it came out with the right uh, information. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that might be where education goes in the future? Because I know some places are into that and some places are kind of like, oh, we don't even want that.
3: I can tell you here at my university... It is very much not going to go in that direction. Um, They are very into, you know, it has to be your own original work. Mm -hmm. And um, they, I've kind of brought it up to them, like, you know, but you still have to know the concepts to -hmm. some some degree in order to check it. And, um, you know, make sure that it's outputting the right things. And they're like, no, it needs to be your original everything.
0: But, you know, I think those things will change over time because, there was a time when I went to school back in the day um, where it, <laughs> your papers had to be handwritten. You know, mm-hmm. your math problems had to be written out on paper. You couldn't use a tablet. They didn't have tablets. Uh, and, you know, even going to now, you know, you everybody has iPads. Everybody has computers. Everybody does everything that way. And so I think this will be the next big um shift, if you will. To It could
3: be. Yeah.
0: If you want information, you have AI that can provide it, you know, and I think GPT and what open AI has provided uh, has really set us forward in um, intelligence by a lot. There was a prediction, and I don't know if this is true. There's no way of knowing. There are trends that are thinking that the singularity could happen in as few as seven years. Does anybody know what the singularity is?
1: No, what is it
0: where AI or artificial intelligence will develop enough learning capacity to become self-aware? Oh, cool. In other words, Skynet.
3: <laughs> interesting.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. I don't know if that's the case or not, but I think when GPT and other models figure out how to learn themselves and if they are given access to the full Internet, I think that that will be a very interesting time because we're gonna get to a point where artificial intelligence learns how to learn. Right now we're providing it models and things like that to learn, but eventually we will be giving it the initial information kind of like bootstrapping it with what it needs to know and then it can go out and learn more from that. Well,
1: I believe that's why everything, or at least ChatGPT is totally free right now because they're kind of using you know, the audience, the people to go in and it's getting trained by all the things that everyone's typing in there every day. And uh, that's an easy way to really make something intelligent and really see what it can do while training it at the same time and making the product even better. So, and they do say on the Chat
0: GPT website that it's a research project. Um, and you know, they you do. have, mm-hmm, and you even have like, from OpenAI. You know, what Michael talked about, Whisper AI, is yep. from the same company, OpenAI. You have DALI, which is, um, what's that technology called? Uh, uh, what's the image recognition technology they use? I don't know. I don't remember if it's Stable Diffusion or if it's something else that they're using. I
2: think it is Stable Diffusion. I just didn't remember that.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. They are saying that. Artificial intelligence is a term they use for uninvented technologies or technologies that have failed. So Hmm. for like text and dialogue, we have GPT. For image recognition, we have OCR and object recognition. For creating images, we have stable diffusion and other things. All of those are properly named terms that are under the umbrella of AI. So I think when we get a successful... New technology, we—they've given it a name instead of just calling it AI because we can quantify it. We know what it is, so it's very interesting to see where all this is going, and I think it's here to stay. You know, we—we're going to have AI, and it's just going to get better. And in fact, I—you know—I'm curious what y'all's thoughts are. I think AI is going to replace AR, augmented reality, and virtual reality as the next big thing. I think AI is gonna
2: co- gonna come in uh and and coexist with AR and VR because I think AI is gonna be what makes AR and VR be the next big thing because you can get the details from a sign, for example, that you're looking at that the AI says, "Oh, he's looking at a sign for this restaurant. Why don't we?" Go ahead and tell them what the most popular meal is and what times are open and when they're busy versus the best time. And would you like to be able to schedule an appointment with that person we were just talking to yesterday that we said that we need to book an appointment with for lunch? And I think that's where things are going to go. And it's it's scary, but it's also exciting.
0: Or based on what you've told the AI, uh, not just an algorithm, but the actual an actual AI, you would like this kind of meal because of your tastes. And I think that would be kind of interesting. Also kind of creepy. Kind of creepy, yes. But, you know, the interesting thing is, unlike, I think, a lot of things, um, this might be able to be done on your phone. I mean, OCR, now on your phone. Um, Image recognition, people detection, all on your phone, right? Yep. So, what's to say that this all won't happen where it could all be on your phone in the future? I mean... Think of Chat, G- Chat GPT well, all on your phone. Eventually, I mean, a lot of of that
1: stuff is already on there. I mean, OCR, being able to scan a document and have it OCR for you. I mean, mm-hmm. you could do that on your phone. I mean, there's a lot of these functions at some level are already being able to be done
0: on right. your phone. That's what I was saying. You know, you you already have that ability. So, uh, and and you know take OCR, and I know I'm giving away all the secrets here, but I can't help it. Um, What if you could take OCR text and run it through ChatGPT and say, reformat this to look the way it should on paper, right? What if you say, um, take this text and format the punctuation that is missing? Just think if you add that to OCR technology, guys.
1: Yep. Yep. No, let's 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 get it going, or, Michael. Where's it or at? Or here's here, here's another thing. You can take that same OCR technology, for example. You can scan, say, you have some sort of a discount code or coupon or something. You could scan it in using, you know, uh, barcode technology or you know, screen recognition with OCR. Scan it in, and then you could put it through whatever. Chat GPT or whatever it is, and it'll send out that code and what it is you're looking for to purchase and give you all the best pricing to buy it. I mean, that would be a great way to use it, also. Marty, you just
0: gave me an idea. I want to try it later with Chat GPT. <laughs> I want to ask it if it will understand UPC codes and then if you could copy and paste. Ooh. Yeah, Michael gets Ooh. it now.
1: <laughs> See? <laughs> See, and, I think, I think the three of us could be dangerous.
2: Yes, we need to wrap it up soon because we are coming up on the time. But I do want to mention, you know, that's that's this thing right. about AI is it's artificial intelligence. But I also see it as augmented intelligence because right. we all have some some great ideas, but sometimes – Like, for example, the the example I tell people a lot of times, I had ChatGPT build me a uh, script that would, when I told it, when I told Terminal that I had a new client, it would build out all the folders I needed in Dropbox for that client. And that's something I've wanted to do for six months, eight months now, but I've never spent the time to go learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. And now that I have ChatGPT doing it, I can go back and look at the code and be like, this is how it did it. And so it Mm -hmm. augmented the knowledge I already had.
0: Right. And that's the key. If you can tell it what you need, and you could tell it precisely, you can do it. And then the last tip I have, and Michael, I don't know if you know this, you will get better results as you iterate. So you say, "I want something that can do this." You get yeah. a, a basic shell, then you say, "Add this function." You get the, you get it a little more practice. Add this more uh, other function. Add mm-hmm. these together. You know, keep having it build out. Iteratively, your app or whatever you're working on, or your play or your short story, Boy, and
2: this gave me an error. Why did it give me an error? Right. And it sees and it says, "Oh, you should go install this dependency."
0: Mm-hmm. So keep trying. Don't just let one prompt keep you away from it. So give it a try. Uh, and with that being all said, I think this has been a great discussion. Uh, we could have another five of these, really, but you know, we can't. But um, you know we may we may touch on this again when, when there's more news and more to talk about. To start us off, Lauren, what is your pick of the week, and where can people find you online?
3: All right. My pick of the week is it is a um laptop riser, which is really cool. Um it is the brand is it's called Cockney. It's a cockney laptop riser. Um, it's made of aluminum, and you can actually find the notes or the link in the show notes I've actually, posted it um to y'all but anyway um it's really nice because it can um move your laptop to different levels um and instead of your laptop just being higher or little bit lower than what you uh, might expect the keyboard actually goes to a 45 degree angle as well and that's what helps to lift up the laptop so um it's really portable it's really lightweight and um i really like it it's pretty cool you can find me pretty much everywhere i'm all over online um so just look up lauren flenner or lauren bradford um my last name is in the process of changing so just look up one of those two things same person and uh, you'll find me on instagram facebook twitter um mastodon all over all
0: right michael if you want to go ahead and give your pick and where can people find you
2: Sure. So my pick is a tool that I've been using for quite a while. And I will tell people primarily where they can find me in some tips that Demasi is teaching me. And that is LaunchBar. I, anyone who knows me knows that I'm obsessed with this tool. And I was like, my mind was blown yesterday when Demasi like, yeah, if you just press and hold command space, it'll take the highlighted text and you can send that to something like Parcel to quickly add a tracking number to Parcel. I'm like, whoa, I did not know that. So I'm learning some things Demasi is posting some audio content for For me well uh and they're being turned into videos so you can find me at payown p-a-y-o-w-n on any of your favorite social platforms or if you head on over to payown.live p-a-y-o-w-n.live that'll take you right to my youtube channel where this new content is coming out and recently we've we've published some blind shell content and i showed a text expander and launch bar working together to help me post some blog posts so again that's payown.live
0: All right, Marty, what's your pick and where can people find you online?
1: Yeah, so my pick is an app which works on Mac, iPhone, and iPad. It's called Play. And it is a read-it-later app, but specifically for YouTube videos. So if you're coming across videos while you are, you know, searching, researching, or maybe it's just something you came across and you like it a lot, uh, Play is where you would save your video and then you can come back to it later and it's great. It works perfect with voiceover, the developers go uh, a long way to make sure that the app works on all the platforms uh, well with voiceover, and it gives you a lot of parameters. You can do hashtagging, you can sort it by however you want to. It's really great, it's lightweight, it's super fast and it's a great way to keep track of uh, videos you want to save. So definitely check it out. Um, if you want to find me, you could find me on Mastodon at GT11. That's the numerals one one. And uh, yeah, there you go.
0: And that's at iaccessibility.net. Is that our social? Is that correct? That's correct, yes. Yep, that, that last part's important. Um, because you know if they don't if they don't know what server, then you know it's hard to tell. Um, all right. My pick for this week, speaking of Mastodon, is Ivory. You know, we talked about it in our news section, but I feel like I'm using it so much now. Uh, I'm starting to delete apps off my phone. I have had five Mastodon clients and I've deleted the Mastodon and MetaText app. I, I don't really use voiceover, so I don't really need um, MetaText for my use. Um, I know it's a great app. I'm hearing it has some support issues, but um, I don't know exactly what those entail. But um Ivory works really good. Great push notifications. Uh, You even get a little picture, kind of like you do in the messages app, to show you who uh, boosted, favorited, or mentioned you. So really happy about that. And uh, just works really well. Kind of keeps up with all the iOS coolness. So really cool there. Um, So check out Ivory if you want to give it a shot. There are some weirdness with voiceover, but it can be done. As for you, could find me. I'm Mike Doey's, that's M I K E D O I S E, in most places. On Twitter, uh, Mastodon, it's um, Mike Doey's at Techopolis.social, T E C H O P O L I S social. And you could also find me um, on Facebook, Michael Doey's, and on YouTube. You could subscribe to my channel at Michael Doey's. And you can always subscribe to this channel as well. So we really appreciate that. And thanks to uh, the people that broke us over 100 subscribers. So uh, with all that being said, thank you guys for being here. Thank you, Michael, Marty, uh, and Lauren. And it's been great. Uh, it's been a great episode. And we will see you in two weeks for yet another IA Cast. So thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next time.
2: Thank you for tuning in to the IACast. We hope you enjoyed the show and found the conversation to be insightful and informative. If you have any feedback or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at feedback at IACast.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at network to stay informed about new episodes and other updates. Don't forget to check out more great podcasts on the IACast Network, IACast.net. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon.